Okay, good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for dialing in. This is Chris McKeffey of BX Partners. I want to welcome you to this week's edition of our Boutique Manager Showcase Series. Uh, this week, we are featuring Robinson Capital and Jonathan Brown, the Director of Closed-End Fund Research at Robinson Capital. We're going to be addressing a topic that I think most advisors are concerned with right now, which is how do I generate adequate income for my clients in this kind of environment with, with yields on you know, most of the entire curve of bonds being essentially, uh, essentially nil. Um, just a quick word about what we do. You know, BX Partners works with a lot of different money managers. Our CIO team has done due diligence on literally hundreds of strategies. And what we look to do is find some of the best ones out there that are kind of undiscovered and help them uh, to become discovered by bringing really uh, relevant and high-value strategies you know, to the marketplace, to a broader audience, making them available on more platforms, et cetera, including our very own technology solution, which is analogous to a TAMP. It's called uh, BXCIO, and it's available through Schwab, uh, Fidelity, and TD. So anyway, today our discussion is going to be with uh, Jonathan Brown, Portfolio Manager and Director of Research on the Strategy, and Arun Call, the CIO of uh, BX Partners. I'm going to kind of take you through what's going on with the portfolio, what's been going on in the fixed income markets, what's up in the closed-end fund marketplace specifically, and how these guys do what they do. This strategy, like I said, was previously available on more select platforms and largely embraced uh, by institutional investors, we're bringing it to more of a wealth management market now, and, and this call is part of that uh, part of that strategy. So with that, let me hand it over to Arun. Thank you, uh, thank you, Chris, and thank you to everyone for joining us today. And uh, welcome, Jonathan. We're very glad to have you with us. Uh, what we'd like to do is uh, do a broad kind of discussion and then drill down into some of the specifics of your portfolio over the next uh, 25 and 30 minutes. Maybe at a high level, we kind of have three broad areas to talk about. One is the overall, your, your, your process, your methodology, um, certainly uh, portfolio design in terms of exactly how you put the portfolio together. And I'd really love to get your thoughts on kind of what you're seeing in the markets today, uh, what kind of moves you're making, or how you're sort of looking ahead to the next uh, issues of elections and rates and inflation. Uh, so maybe to start, though, you can just take one step back and maybe just give us a quick high-level comment just on the, uh, the, the the closed end space just in itself just for anybody who wants context on how it's positioned or how you how you position it uh, what some of the characteristics are maybe we can just start there in terms of closed end funds uh, what some of their characteristics are and then we can talk about your methodology and your process in this space yeah sure thank you uh, for having having me on and thanks everyone for joining um, you know I guess just to start um, at its you know, very basic, um, you know, closed-end fund we look at in its most simple form is, is essentially an actively managed mutual fund that trades intraday um, like an ETF or a stock would. Um, one of the key differences with closed-end funds is that, you know, they don't necessarily have to trade at their NAV, and, and more times than not, they actually trade at a discount to their NAV. Um, you know, which which is which is really what got us into this space in the first place. Is you know, we we view closed end funds as essentially being the last bastion of inefficiency in public markets. Um, you know, it doesn't really make sense that that a fund with a known NAV that prices daily trades at a five or or ten percent discount to its actual value. And we believe that you know, at the end game for closed end funds 
is that their discounts will eventually go to zero. Um, we say that because, for example, if a closed-end fund liquidates or if it converts into an open-ended fund, it does so at NAV. And so really, we, we look at closed-end funds, again, as being extremely inefficient and offering additional capital appreciation potential um, for our clients, especially in times like today where closed-end fund discounts are, are at their historical wides. Um, right now, uh, a lot of the below investment grade and even some of the investment grade closed-end funds are trading at double-digit discounts, which they generally over, you know, 30 years worth of discount history um, have generally traded at, you know, a 2 or 3% discount. So we think that as soon as the markets start to, you know, normalize that these discounts, you know, could very quickly uh, return to historical averages, if not trade at NAV or premiums, which will be worth, you know, significant upside to investors who, who decide to invest in our strategies today. Right. Oh. Uh, maybe you can. Uh, that's great. Thank you. Maybe you can just walk us through now your investment process. So how do you how do you approach this? Uh, how do you approach the segment? What kind of research do you do? Is it top down? Is it bottom up? How do you put the pieces together? Yeah. So I guess from a philosophy stand or from a methodology standpoint, um, Robinson Capital we do utilize a top down approach um, when constructing our strategies. Uh, you know, we first start um, by, you know, conducting macroeconomic research. So, you know, we'll use our internal models and external research to look at, at topics such as, you know, secular trends, economic indicators, you know, interest rate expectations, what our credit outlook is, you know, political and, and monetary policy. And we'll use all of that information, again, both our internal models as well as external research to, to sort of develop an asset allocation uh, strategy where we, where we see value from an asset allocation standpoint. From there, we then dive into the actual underlying, into the, into the actual closed-end funds themselves. So Robinson Capital, we've developed our own proprietary model that allows us to quantify and rank the attractiveness of, you know, roughly 500 closed-end funds in real time, you know, which ultimately allows us to take advantage of the inefficiencies that I talked about earlier. And, and our expectation is that will create, you know, value for our investors over the long term. When we're looking in at the closed-end funds, we're looking at, you know, a lot of different aspects, right? We're diving into, you know, how, you know, manager performance over the short term, over the long term, what risks are they taking? Are they, you know, are they taking interest rate risks, sector risks, et cetera? We're looking at, at governance. We're looking at the liquidity. More importantly, we're looking at the income that, that these closed-end funds are, are generating and developing our portfolios. And then the last step is, is obviously looking at, you know, what, what type of discount levels are these trading at? And as I stated before, a lot of these funds are currently trading at 10, 11% discounts when they historically have traded at two or three. And so that is a very real and tangible source of alpha that we expect to, you know, our investors to monetize, you know, over the next six, 12, or 18 months. Um, you know, going from there, once we've done our top, you know, sort of top-down macroeconomic research or closed-end fund research, we then construct our portfolio. So, you know, we're going to look at, you know, what is our income level that we're able to generate? What, what type of sector diversification are we, are we looking for? And again, you know, where, where are the, you know, capital appreciation potential uh, via discounts? 
And so from there, that's really our, our sort of top-down methodology and how we construct our portfolio. Right. I'd love to do, uh, dig into that a little further. So maybe you can bring some of those ideas together. So when you talk about some sector risks and some governance and income and the discounts, can you give us an idea if you're seeing discounts across the board? Are you seeing it applying to all sectors? Are you seeing it skew by governance? How are you seeing the discounts in terms of the spreads and by across different sectors? Yeah, so in terms of sectors and and discounts for that matter, um, you know, right now we're seeing a big diversity um, in terms of, uh, you know, certain sectors trading at premiums or even or, or at NAV or premiums. And then, as I mentioned, um, you know, we're seeing sectors like the high yield sector, the senior bank loan sectors trading at double di- double digit discounts. And so all of that, you know, we we really, you know, try to dig into to understand where where the risks are as well as as the upside. And so for an example, um, you know, preferred stocks have, you know, had had, you know, the under underlying asset class right now we believe is fully valued and preferred stocks are trading, you know, uh, many of them are trading at premiums. So given given those two sort of negative views on on the preferred sector, you know, we have essentially a minimum weighting in, in our portfolio right now. On the flip side, um, as, I, as I mentioned, we're, we're overweight bank loans and high yield at the moment because one, uh, as the underlying asset class, you know, they're one of the two asset classes essentially that uh, spreads remain wider than their pre-pandemic levels. So we think that there's an opportunity for capital appreciation uh, on the underlying asset classes. But two, their discounts are trading extremely wide levels, which, you know, it, it, by our math, you know, creates an opportunity because we're buying a discounted asset, cl- asset class at a, at a significant discount. Right. And just to go into some of those sectors a little bit further, um, can you just touch on the sectors you're able to go into? Do you look at the investment grade? You're looking at sovereigns. Do you include convertible bonds? What are the categories that you might look at? Uh, from a sector perspective? Yeah, traditionally, uh, we're going to look at, you know, high yield and senior banks are two of the main sectors, just given the, the, the yield advantage there um, and being one of our primary objectives. Uh, we do look at converts as well. Um, in fact, we did have a, a several months ago, convertibles were, were relatively cheap, you know, during the, during the uh, you know, sort of March sell-off. And discounts were actually extremely wide, so we we did add to our convert position, um, but we lightened up on it um, pretty significantly as the asset class you know recovered, and the discounts you know started moving towards premiums. It really became less attractive. So we do look at you know converts, preferreds, uh, as I stated, high yield senior banks, and then we we do look at you know so, at sovereign debt as well. Um, you know, obviously, given where rates are, um, you know, sovereign sovereign uh, yields are are you know near historical lows, which which you know which becomes less attractive for our strategy. Right, uh, very interesting. Maybe you can talk about liquidity as well. I know uh, one of the comments that comes out, or some of the concerns come out about liquidity uh, in this particular space. Maybe you can address that as well across the sectors. Um, how do you address liquidity? Um, is this an area where you add value, and how do you do that? Yeah, so that is 
when we're talking to our, our retail investors, um, a lot of whom will actually traffic and close send funds on their own, one of the one of the biggest topic point topics that we run across is is just the lack of liquidity. Um, you know, we we understand that there are that that close end funds are generally characterized as more of a small cap trade, right, in terms of liquidity. But um, you know, wh- how how we view it is is that's that's an absolute source of of sort of security selection or alpha for us. Um, you know, we're able to to utilize our institutional trading relationships to source quite honestly, large blocks of liquidity when, you know, when retail clients are unable to. So, um, for instance, there may be, you know, almost on any given day, we'll, you know, we're monitoring every name in in real time. We'll see a a block trade go in, you know, for several thousand shares that that moves moves the name, you know, a percent or two. Well, we may be able to step in and, and provide liquidity there and, and pick a name up, you know, at two percent, you know, cheaper than it should be because you know there was a lack of liquidity. Um, so we 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 view our institutional relationships and our ability to source liquidity as a huge value add. And you know, what we've kind of calculated over the past uh, five years is we've generally been able to add between one and two percent of security selection just due to our our trading capabilities. Right. And then um, when you look at the specific holdings, um, I guess, in terms of what you're seeing today, maybe you can give us an idea of uh, some of the positioning today in terms of your overweight, uh, in terms of your limits on sector exposures. Uh, do you have broad limits that you use at the sector level? And how is it really, how is the portfolio really positioned today? Yeah, so um, in terms of sector limits, uh, we, we generally are, are – are trying to limit any one sort of sector to to roughly 50% of of the portfolio. And again, you, the the important thing to remember is that we're we're buying top rate managers, so we're buying funds that have several hundred securities within each. So um, you know we're we're an extremely diversified uh, strategy that has over over a thousand under underlying uh, securities. Um, with that being said, uh, you know right now we we are we are um, positive on the bank loan and high yield space as as I mentioned prior. You know we think the asset class is is undervalued relative to say um, you know securitized debt or investment grade or even equity at this point. Um, so generally we we have a high concentration in in senior loans and 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 high yield debt at the moment. Right, and let's just tie that back to the actual income now. So uh, I guess the return component obviously includes the yield. Uh, you mentioned the discount component is important, uh, and I guess we should talk about spreads as well. Maybe you can talk to us about the complete return opportunity, how you put those components together, and what we're really looking at today in terms of an expected yield and maybe some movement on uh, discount narrowing uh, and spreads. Yes, Absolutely. Um, so again, as as we pointed out, as I pointed out, um, you know, prior, you know, the main, the main, the primary objective of this strategy is to produce an above average income stream in this, you know, low yield environment. Um, right now, we're 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 offering a 7.6% gross yield, um, whereas the Barclays uh, Ag Index is, you know, yielding 1.3%. Um, you know, we think that that's an extremely, you know. 
an extremely good value proposition in, in this environment where, you know, corporate bonds are yielding, you know, sub 2%, munis are just above 1%, and treasuries are, you know, next to nothing. Um, you know, so right off the bat, we're starting with, with an above average income stream. In terms of our, in terms of spread, uh, you know, potential that you talked about, uh, you know, we think that if if the if high yield and senior bank spreads just return to pre-COVID uh, levels, we think that that's worth roughly five five percent or so in terms of of capital appreciation for the strategy. Um, the the last sort of piece, which is, which is unique to only our strategy, um, given that we're investing in close end funds, is that is that capital appreciation opportunity, you know, as discounts return to NAV. And as I stated, you know, right now, high yield senior bank loans, which make up a majority of our strategy of trading at 10, 11% discounts. We think that realistically over the next, you know, six to 12 months, we could easily see those discounts move back to historical averages or even NAV, which would be worth an additional, you know, 10%, you know, type return. And, and, you know, the reason we believe that is because we think that today it's a very similar environment to, you know, 2010 to 2013 after the crisis. You have the, the Fed essentially pinning short-term rates at zero for the foreseeable future. And their, 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 their second sort of goal is to keep spreads tight. They've shown us that they're going to step in essentially, you know, anytime any asset, asset class breaks and provide support. So that's precisely the setup that we saw in 2010 to 2013 when discounts were trading actually at premium. So we think that the next six to 12 months, you know, realistically could see a, a you know, a return back to NAV. So putting those, you know, three type of uh, return streams together, you know, a 7% net yield, you know, 5% capital appreciation, you know, on, on, on the underlying asset classes, plus an 8%, you know, conservative return as discounts return to normal. You know, we think that realistically over the next 12 months, we could see a 20% type return uh, figure for, for this strategy. Right. And maybe we can talk a little bit about the asymmetry, I guess, of the return profile. Um, obviously, in terms of trading off some of the risks and returns, given the discounts that we have, uh, I guess if we're at historic wides or near historic wides, do you see this as being, I guess, one of the more asymmetric opportunities you've seen, or how does it compare to other uh, historical dislocations if we go back in the last 15 or 20 years? Yeah, so so I think that's precisely it. And so uh, most of the risk in terms of discount widening has already been taken out, and what that, that's that's part of the reason we're pounding the table at the moment, um, you know, anyone who's not invested in the strategy, this is an incredible, you know, entry point. Um, historically, discounts, you know, have the the widest they they have, you know, sort of gapped out to is is that 15% level. So, you know, we think that, you know, if you know we risks start to you know come back to the market, um, you know, COVID flares up, um, you know, just unknowns around the presidential election and markets sell off. You know, we think, sure, that discounts could potentially widen, you know, 4% or so. But, again, um, you know, if they just return back to NAV, we're looking at a 10% type return, positive return number. So, you know, we're, 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 we're incredibly positive on that, you know, that asymmetrical return opportunity. Right. And then just to maybe comment on the yield in terms of duration, I don't think we've touched on duration yet, um, with such a high yield, how are you managing duration? What is the current duration, and what kind of range 
can one expect in terms of the duration and tolerance that you have inside the strategy? Yeah, so right now our, our duration is, is about 2.9 years. And, uh, you know, a lot of that has to do with, with our overweight to bank loans. Um, you know, obviously, you know, bank loans are, have, you know, relatively short durations. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's part of the reason we're, we're, we're positive on, on that sector as well is, you know, given where rates are today, um, you know, there's not much room for, for them to go lower. And then not to mention, you also have a Fed who is now, you know, focusing on running inflation hotter than their, their initial 2% target. So, you know, w- with, the Fed, with the Fed focusing on, on ramping up, you know, inflation and rates being at all-time lows, we, we think it's prudent to, you know, dial down that duration risk. And, and so we're, we're pretty comfortable with having a, a duration inside of three years right now. Right. And do you have a range of where you would run the duration, or can you give an example of when you might have a longer duration and how that might set up? Yeah. I mean, historically, again, um, you know, bank loans and high yield, um, you know, closed-end funds, which are our primary uh, sectors that we invest in, they're historically, they, you know, they, they don't have – you know, extremely long dur- durations, right? So, um, you know, we, we could probably, you know, uh, I could see a scenario where if rates backed up a couple hundred basis points that, you know, we, we may, we, you know, we maybe could run a, a five-year type duration number. Um, but, his, but generally, we're probably going to stay within that, you know, two, two to five-year duration range. Right. All right. So very low duration. And then if we look at the risks, I guess, going forward, if you look at inflation or if you look at rate hikes, if you look at the election, is there any one that you might say is a bigger concern uh, from your perspective today in terms of what you're seeing going forward? Uh, Or do you see them as all equal? Or how are you positioning the portfolio for some of those risks? Yeah. I I mean, I think they're all very valid risks in this market environment, right? Um, You know, we, I think we just obviously addressed the, our, the interest rate concern, um, you know, showing that we we've dialed our duration down pretty significantly. Um, you know, we are we are obviously aware that there are risks with with uh, you know how this winter is going to play out with COVID or you know how the presidential election is going to play out. Um, you know, we've 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 sort of addressed those risks. Um, you know, we we do have. Uh, you know, credit hedges in place currently as, you know, we, we think that over the next few months we could see a pickup in volatility. Um, you know, there are some unknowns, but once we sort of get past, you know, this, this November election cycle, um, you know, once we get past winter and, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll see a, uh, see a uh, vaccine uh, for, for COVID, you know, we'd be more inclined to dial those, those hedges back down towards, towards zero, um, you know, once the coast is clear. Right. All right. So we'd just like to uh, thank you. That's great. I just want to maybe get ready to open it up to some questions to um, any advisors if we have any questions. Uh, just before we do that, just, just quickly, just to close on the hedging, can you give us an idea of um, what some of the credit hedges are or maybe how much you might hedge or do you have a range of how much you hedge and do you use cash sometimes or how do you think about some of those risk management tools that you have at your disposal? Yeah. So in general, we we found the most effective way to to essentially uh, hedge closed end funds is is using um, you know is is using equity like hedges. Right. So for example, you know uh, 
S&P, uh, short S&P, um, short Russell, et cetera. Um, so, you know, generally we, we'll, we can go up to about 20% a he, uh, hedge, which would, uh, you know, which essentially would be in times of extreme market stress where we don't really see any, uh, you know, any end in sight. Um, you know, right now we're, we're, we're pretty comfortable with, with, you know, being uh, with a, with a credit hedge where we're at now. But as I said, you know, once the coast is clear, you know, we, we could very easily dial that hedge back, back down to, to zero. Okay. Uh, Makes sense. All right. Well, thank you for that. Uh, you know, Chris, maybe before we pass it back, uh, I'll pass it back to you if you have any questions or if you want to open the line uh, for some questions from the advisors. Yeah, Arun, I think you got to a lot of the questions that I had, but something that I, I you know, just specifically have been kind of focused on when you went through the, the potential sources of return, it seems to me that if you're clipping 7 plus percent, even if it takes two or three years to play out, okay, you didn't make 20% in a year, but you're still compounding at 12 or 13 over a three-year period. You know, that sounds, you know, really kind of uh, timely and interesting. Can you just ballpark it on in terms of how often there's been double-barreled opportunities like this, meaning high-yield spreads being this wide at the same time discounts have been this wide? How often has that happened, and how long do they typically take to reverse themselves? Yeah, actually, that's that's a great question. I wanted to, to touch on. And so, looking back, we have we have over thirty years worth of discount history. There's essentially, other than today, there's been four distinct periods where where basically discounts have been this wide. Uh, that was 1999, 2008, 2015, 2018, and then today. Just to give you an idea of how you know these closed end funds performed over the next twelve months. The average return was was roughly 15% for these closed end funds, whereas the Barclays U.S. High Yield Bond Index returned, you know, on average 6%. So, so as you can see, you know, these when when discounts are this wide, um, you know, it, it a rarely happens, but b when it does happen, it generally sets up for for an extremely strong next 12 month performance. Yeah, that's great. Let me. Um, I'm going to remind the audience that actually I, I kept this as a completely open line call. So what I'd like to do is open it up and see who out there might have um, might have any questions. You know. Jonathan, I can just uh, I can just jump in and ask one more question if we're uh, if some advisors are just um, uh, just getting ready to ask a question. Maybe you can sure. just touch really quickly on um, your, your level of turnover. I guess how active are you in moving some of the managers in or out of the strategy um, and minimums on the investment size and some of those uh, uh, technical details. Yeah, sure. So in terms of uh, investment minimum for for a separate account, our investment minimum is 200k. Um, in terms of turnover, uh, we are we are very active in the strategy. We generally run around 100% turnover, and and that's just a product of of again the inefficiencies of closed end funds. So if we see two um, you know two funds that have very similar underlying holdings or return profiles, but one one's trading at a discount that's 5% wider than its historical average and the others at 2%, we may rotate into the other one 
allow those to normalize and 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 capture that you know capital appreciation. So we do have quite a quite a high turnover, but we are able to you know justify that again by adding you know one to three percent in terms of security selection a year. Right, and then just touching on financial planning for a moment in terms of investors that really want to focus on income flow. Uh, is the flow coming quarterly? Is it coming monthly? Do you? How does that get distributed over the course of a year, typically, given the higher yield um, that's being paid out? Yeah, those those distributions are are distributed monthly. So monthly flow, high yield, and it, are all the funds paying monthly, or is it is it the fund pays it out, or is it flowing from the fund directly through to the investor? Yeah, so the funds, almost all of the uh, the funds pay uh, distributions monthly. All pay monthly. Okay. All right. Well, I thank you so much, Chris. I'll pass it back to you if there's any other uh, additional questions or, or comments uh, from any of the advisors. <clears throat> At this point, let me uh, open it back up to the audience and see whether there's any questions. Okay, it doesn't uh, it doesn't sound like it. That's great. Of course, if you have any, you can just email them to me. I'll get in touch with Jonathan. We'll get you the answers to uh, whatever it is you have questions about. I want to thank all of you for spending some time uh, with us this afternoon to hear out the story. I know that so many advisors are out there searching for ways to inject a little bit of additional income into their client strategies, and I think this is a you know a, a very valid, very uh, professional way to go about injecting a very high dose of income for a um, you know for a portion of client portfolios. So with that, I will thank Arun and thank you very much, Jonathan, for getting on and spending the afternoon with us going through the strategy. And with that, uh, we are finished for today. Thanks all.